Well, welcome all those watching online today. We're so glad you've tuned in. Uh, we're so glad that you're here listening to this service and to this sermon. If you're ever in our area, please take our personal invitation to come and join us here personally. We'd love to meet you, to see your smiling face. We'll send you home with some special gifts, and we just want to let you know we appreciate you very, very much. If you're ever in that area, please stop in and be our guest today. Now, we are talking about believing the best. We're, we're bringing to a close this, this subject, believing the best. David said, thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I think there comes a time in every believer's life where you must learn how to speak out the word over your mind, over your heart, over your situation. Uh, there comes a time in every believer's life that you've got to be able to speak it out yourself. How many know the Word of God is voice activated? It is sharper than any two-edged sword. The Bible says that it has the, well, it's a weapon, as a two-edge. Everybody say two-edge, double-edged sword. When it was rowed once, it became a single-edge. And when it's spoken out by me and you, it becomes a double-edged weapon in our hand against the enemy. So you've got to have some Scripture hidden in your heart. It doesn't have to be long verses, but everybody needs to have some phrases, some parts of Scripture where you can hold on to. No weapon formed against me shall prosper in the name of the Lord. If God is for me, who can be against me? Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. And I believe this Scripture in Job 13, 15 is one of those Scriptures that really stretches our faith, but also is a necessity for us to grow today. Let's look at Job 13, 15. Though he... Slay me, yet will I trust him. Let's say it together out loud. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. The word slay me, it's a popular word used today. Uh, a lot of people like to use it. I'm, I'm going to slay this, this slayed me, this. But I'm going to tell you, slay me here is more than just a catchphrase. It's more than just a popular word. It was a prayer of a heart. Somebody who went through tremendous loss. I don't think we've ever seen anybody go through as much loss as this as Job did in, in just a few days' time. He had to process and go through all the heavy loss that he went through. And his heart's prayer was, though, talking about God, slays me, yet I will trust him. Growing up, my mom and dad loved to cook for me. We didn't eat out a lot. We'd cooked a lot at home. And it was very uh, typical for them to fix something I like. And they would let me know ahead of time, we're fixing this tonight for dinner. I would get excited. I'd be looking in the kitchen all afternoon, seeing mom prepare the dinner, waiting for dad to cook when he got home, whatever it was. I was anticipating that good meal. We shared a lot of good meals together, and I would get really hungry, and I would anticipate those great meals. But every once in a while, my mom would put something green and slimy on my plate. I'm like, mom, what is this? I don't like this. As much as I love Popeye, I don't like spinach. I didn't like, I didn't like spinach. She, she tried docking it up. She put bacon and, and ham, and I was like, oh, it's still gross. You better put it in some ice cream, but this ain't doing it for me. Didn't like it, hate it. To this day, I don't like raw spinach. Don't like it. But I remember the words my mom would tell me, Gene, every now and then, you need to learn to eat something that's good for you. And I'll be like, I don't want to eat anything that's good for me. Give me those carbs, mom. 
Uh, give, give, me the, give me all that mac and cheese. Potatoes and gravy. That sounds a lot better. I don't want spinach. But every now and then she would remind me that I had to eat something I didn't like because it was good for me. Let's be honest today, if I can be really transparent and honest. I do not like the book of Job. I know it's, it's, it's weird to hear a pastor say he doesn't like a book of the Bible. And what I mean by that is this. I have a hard time with this story. It really bothers me many times when I read this book of Job. It's a hard story to read because we see this great man of Job who lost everything. Yes, God multiplied it back to him, but he went through a tremendous loss. It doesn't seem like it's fair. It doesn't seem like he deserved any of it. I don't like it when God allows me to walk through a hard season. I don't like it when God makes me walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't like it when I have to face difficult seasons. You don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it when I'm upset at God or I don't like what God's making me deal with right now. But sometimes he makes me go through a Job season. Sometimes he makes me go through a difficult season. Why? Because he's trying to, for me to gain understanding. There's something he's wanting me to grow. There's something he's wanting me to learn. There's something he's wanting me to mature in when I go through these hard seasons in my life. So if I'm honest, I don't like Job. But I need Job. I know you don't really like some of these parts of the story of Job, but you need Job. I need Job. We all need to learn from the story of Job. What was God speaking to you and I? What was God speaking to us and wanting us to gain? Because at some moment, we all become Job. At some moment, we all walk through the hard season. We're all learning to walk through a difficult time on our life right now. And let me give you a little background today about Job. Let me give you a little background before we do the breakdown, okay? Job 1, look what it says in Job 1, 1 and 2. I will trust the Lord. We're talking about today. I will trust the Lord. But in Job 1, 1 and 2, there was a man in the land of us, not us, us, not us, us. Come on now. He was a wizard, I promise you. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man was blameless, upright, one who feared God and who shunned evil. And his quiver was full. Look, he had seven sons and three daughters. They were all born to him. And so from the outside looking in, it looks like this man had it all figured out. This man had all the blessings of the Lord. And it was true. God blessed Job tremendously because he was blameless, because he was an upright guy who lived righteous, who feared the Lord. He received the blessing of the Lord. And so he had all this blessing. He was the man that when kids did an essay and us, they wrote about Job. Everybody wanted to be Job. Everybody wanted Job's blessing. Everybody wanted Job's blessing. Everybody wanted to have what Job was. He was an entrepreneur that had great success. He had great wealth, great possession. He had a, a lot of children. He had a great rent. I mean, he had all this going on. He was favored, highly favored of the Lord. One day, God's having a meeting with the angels, and it says Satan was roaming around in the background. And, and Jesus, God's like, God's like, listen, Satan, what are you doing here? You know you don't belong here. What are you doing? And Satan answered God. He said, I'm just roaming back and forth on the earth. Now, 
The reason why that's important, because we know what the scripture says about Satan. That Satan roams forth the earth, looking for those he may what? Devour. So when he says he was roaming back and forth the earth, that's what he was alluding to. He was looking for somebody that he could get to turn their back on God. He was looking for somebody he could get to curse God. He was looking for somebody he could get and snatch them out of the grace of God and pull them into with him. He was looking for somebody he could eat up and devour and destroy. And look what, G, look what God had to say in Job 1, 9 and 10 to, to Satan. Then the Lord said to Satan, hey, I know you're looking around, so have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth. Time out. Right there. God, if you're listening today, I appreciate your hedge. I appreciate your blessing. Please don't nominate me for Satan to come and roam my life. Just say it. Keeping it real today. Can I keep it real? God nominates Joe. Have you considered... Have you considered picking on Job? Have you considered tempting Job? Have you considered trying to get to Job? And I love, I love what happens here. Look what it says in the rest of this. There's none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. And so Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and his household and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and possessions have increased in the land. Satan knew this. Satan is calling out the obvious that God, you have blessed Job. He has walked upright before you. Because of that, you have placed your hand and your hedge around his family. Your hand of protection is upon him. Yes, I've tried to get to Job. I was not allowed to get to Job because you had your hedge around him. You had your hand on him. Today, some of us need to stop right there and thank the Lord that he has a hedge around you that even when you didn't know it, he was protecting you. Even when you didn't see it, he was keeping the enemy at bay. Even when the enemy came to sift you out, that God kept you protected in the hedge and his hand was upon you. Satan said, I, I can't get to him. You got a hedge around him. And the reason why he loves you is what he said. The reason why he loves you is because he does good and you bless him. He does good and you bless him. See, it was a formula to Satan. Satan, Job's got a formula figured out. As long as he's good before God, God, you're going to protect him and bless him. But if you mess that formula up, God, if you change that formula around, you move your hand of protection and you don't bless him, take away his things, See if he will not curse you like every other guy would. He only loves you. He only trusts you because you've given him all this great blessing. And God says, have you considered my servant? And so God says, I'm going to do something. I'm going to lift my hand off of him. I'm going to lift my hand off of him, Satan. And you go ahead and see if you can't get Job. You can do anything to him evil you want to do. You just cannot take his life. So immediately it says that for God did that, that the workers came to Job. It said, Job, 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 I got to tell you something. That all your cattle, as we were taking them out and we're feeding them, we, they, the enemy came and they, the thieves came and they stowed them all away. They killed all your workers. I'm the only left survivor worker you have. They've taken all your cattle. 
Oh, your cattle, they're gone. And he had no longer got through that. Then another person shows up and says, Job, you're not going to believe this out there taking care of your sheep. And a firestorm came down. Fire rained down from heaven and it came and it burned up and it killed all your lambs. It killed all your workers. I'm the only one survived who's come to tell you that it's all gone, Job. All your sheep, all your workers are gone. No longer had he got that. He couldn't process it. Somebody else knocked. Hey, Job, Job. I hate to tell you this, but the thieves came and they stole all your camels. All the multitude of your camels. They took them all and they killed all your workers. I'm the only one who escaped. I'm here to tell you, all is lost, Job. And even worse news comes. Someone comes and says, Job, you're not going to believe this. All 10 of your children were sharing a meal under the same roof. And a big wind came, lifting it up, and it killed all of them instantly. Today, we remember how that feels. 11 years ago today, our town suffered the greatest loss as 160 people gave their life and lost their life. Many heroes came out of that story. But we remember it here, how it is. Can you, can you kind of picture Job? He lost 10 children. One tragedy. Lost all of his cattle. Lost all of his sheep. Lost all of his camels. Lost all of his wealth. Lost all of his children. All in one day. It's all happened in one day's time. Can you imagine the, his mind trying to process? He can't even process it because he's going from one tragedy to another tragedy, to another tragedy. Then it says that Satan struck him with sores all over his body. It couldn't kill him, but he could sure put sores from the heads all the way down to his feet. He had sores on every part of his body. It says he was out there one day scraping his sores with some broken pottery. In. Just in a shock of what had just happened. His wife comes up to him and says, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? And many times we give Job's wife a bad rap. Well, she wasn't very encouraging. That's the last thing he needed to hear. Remember, she lost all that too. Remember, she's trying to process all this too. And if we could be honest, how many of us have really... Maybe we've never told anybody this, but we've secretly wanted to give up on God too. We wanted to give up on God when we went through hard seasons in our life and when God didn't answer the prayer the way we thought he should answer, when God didn't show up the way we want him to show up, when we went through tragedy, when we walked through the valley of the shadow of death, there's times we wanted to give up on God as well. But today I'm here to tell you that there comes a mature faith that learns to say, if though you slay me, I will trust you. Even though you're killing me, God, this is ripping out my heart. You're tearing everything from within on the inside out. Even though you're killing me from the inside out, God, I will trust you. What faith? What faith is that? What, what a giant faith is that? And if I could tell you today, this is the faith that God wants all of us to work towards. This is the faith he wants all of us to have today. Learning to trust God through every season. Anybody can trust him when things are good. Anybody can trust him when the bank account's full. Anybody can trust him when the quiver's full. Anybody can trust him when, when things are going your way. But let it all be gone. 
and you did nothing to deserve it, how will you trust God then? Is your trust in God because he answers your prayers and gives you an answer to the formula? I live right, I receive right. I live bad, I receive bad. We got to figure it out, don't we? But if throws a curve, if throws a wrench into the formula, when I didn't do anything wrong, I still got to go through something bad. That's when the true measure of faith is tested in our life. This is when we find out what we're really made of. Do we really believe him? Do we really trust him? Is my faith really in him or it is in the answer? See, real faith, look at this. The real faith is not rooted in what you expect God to do. That's immaturity. Mature faith, real faith, is rooted in you knowing who God is. Through every season, through every hardship, through every valley of the shadow of death, though you slay me, I will trust you even more. Woo! Yeah, give God a hand clap, yeah. Come on now, this, this message ain't for any spiritual wimps today. It's for somebody who really wants to be stretched. You're not serving God because of what he can do for you. You're serving him and trusting him for what he's done in you. Let me put it another way. He may never answer another prayer in my life. But the fact that he gave his son to die on the cross for me, that while I was a yet sinner, he died for me, forgiving me all my sins. No matter what else happens going forward, I am trusting in the Lord. I am looking to the Lord. But too many of us, immature, we let our faith be influenced by what he does for us. When he answers our prayers, we're, woo, we're big faith, right? But when he doesn't, God, where are you? God, where are you? Satan tells God the only reason Job trusts you is because you reward him so greatly. And the minute you take that away, he won't trust you. You know, Satan does this to us. He sits around, he's roaming. He, he, he can't get to us because there's a hedge. But immediately when he sees you going through a hard season, he's quick to yell from the other side of the hedge. Where's God? God don't like you. You're wasting your time. He didn't answer your prayer. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't see you. You're just a number to him. He will lie to you and he will take advantage of every weak season. He will take advantage of every difficult season we walk through and he will yell everything that's reverse, everything that's a lie about God. And the weak say, well, you're right, Satan. God really doesn't love me or this wouldn't have happened. But the mature, the faithful said, I don't understand this, God. I don't. I didn't do anything to deserve this. I didn't ask for this. But I'm walking through the hardest season I've ever had to walk through in my life. But I want you to know, God, whether you answer my prayer today or you answer it 10 years from now or you don't answer it until I get to heaven, so you slay me, I will trust you. 
I mean, can you, can you imagine how Satan feels when he hears you quoting that verse? Can you imagine what it does to Satan that he tells you all the bad and he's picked at your lowest time in your life that you've ever been and he throws out for you to curse God, to give up on God and you look at Satan and say, Satan, I don't care what happens to me. I will trust the Lord. It's a freeing place to be. It's a place where your faith grows beyond measure. It's a place that pleases the Lord beyond measure. Yeah, it pleases God when we give him thanks for what he's done for us. But I dare to have somebody thank the Lord even when seasons aren't going your way and you thank him anyway. You praise him anyway. Some of you did that today, going through a hard season, but you worshiped the Lord anyway. Your hands were lifted anyway. Your voice sung out anyway. You got out of bed anyway, and you came to honor the Lord. Why? Because even though you slay me, so will I trust you. My trust is in the Lord. It's a place where God wants us all to be. It's a place of freedom. It's a place of blessing. It's a place that God wants us to understand. See, Job teaches us a very important point. Uh, look at this. My, my faith, my faith is not in the outcome of my prayer. My faith is in the God I serve. See, too many of us are locked in. God, when you answer yes, I'm all in. And when you don't answer, say no, whew, I'm out here. <laughs> why doesn't God like me? Why doesn't God care for me? Why, why? And we have all these things. Listen, that is immaturity. And that's love based on gifts. How would you like it if your children only showed you love when you bought them something they wanted? We all been there. We're like, I, you know, it's all right. If you can't be nice to me when I'm not buying you anything, then I'm not going to buy you anything when, you're, you know, when you are nice to me. We've all been there before. We've had that attitude, right? We feel like our kids are taking advantage of us. We know how it makes us feel. How do you think God feels when we just trust him when he says yes? How do you think he feels when we trust him even when we don't understand? I don't know. You ever had your child do that to you? I don't like the answer. I don't like what you're saying, but I'm going to trust that. Like you said, it's all going to work out for good. It's going to work out for the betterment. It's amazing to see. Sometimes they don't get that for a couple of years. But later on, when the light comes on, they're like, Dad, thank you for saving me from that problem. Thank you for getting me out of that problem. The light comes on, they understand. This is the way we are with God. God, thank you. I don't understand. Don't, this makes zero sense to me. Joe's three closest friends show up. Job, now this is the closest friends. Job was the entrepreneur that everybody looked up to. Everybody respected. Everybody wanted to be like. His three closest friends show up and it says they don't even say a word for like seven days. They're just in weeping with Job and they're just in shock. I mean, these guys knew the measure of his wealth. They knew the measure of his family. They knew the me measure of his possessions and they're in shock that it was all gone. This powerful guy was just all gone. And finally they said, Job, they didn't mean any harm, but they're like, Job, what did you do wrong? That's what they asked him. Job, you must have done something wrong 
for God to be punishing you this way. And that's a natural, that would be a natural instinct for these guys to have. Because up until this time, we see where God, when Israel was good, God punished, was good, he blessed them. And when they were bad, he punished them. And you'll see it all through the Old Testament. Israel, blessing when they're doing right, serving God right, giving to God right, sacrificing right. When they turn to false idols, begin to bitter, bicker and complain against God, boom, they go back to punishment. They go to captive. They get kicked captive. They're taken prisoner. They're taken into exile. I mean, all these ups and downs. And so Israel was geared to thinking if you experience something wrong, it's because you did something wrong. And if you're blessed like Job was, then you must have been doing something really good for God to really bless you that way. And so coming up, and what we call this is distributive justice. I want you to see this word, distributive justice. When things are bad, you do bad, you get bad. And when you do good, you get good. Up until this time, this is all Israel knew. Do good. It's a formula, right? How many of us have been in that formula before? Oh, man, my life's falling apart, so I need, all right, I'll come back to church every week. I'll read my Bible as much as possible. I'll worship, I give, then I'll do enough good things, then God will start blessing me again. And yes, there's some truth to that. But what I want to let you know is God is so much bigger than a formula today. And I believe this is really what was happening, even though he was only proving something to Satan. He was wanting something to be proved to the nation of Israel and to all those who came behind and began to read and see. He was using his life to be an example and realizing this, that you know what? Sometimes bad things happen to good people. There was no way for them to explain this away. Job was the most righteous man in the land. He's the one to fear God the most, who walked upright, who shunned evil. He did all the right things, and he still suffered tremendous loss. Job just cursed the Lord. Go die. What'd you do wrong? And we see here that God is saying, you know what? Sometimes bad things happen to good people. So what is happening here? There's something bigger in the picture I want you to see beyond. I want you to put your spiritual glasses on now. Okay, can you do that with me? I want you to put your spiritual glasses on right now. And I want you to look beyond the formula. Israel only sees a formula. And for now, they see a formula that they thought was working, did not work. Because a man who was the best man in the whole area, the most religious, the most serving God, the most faithful to God, the most giving to God, has now suffered the most tragedy anyone's ever faced. So now it's blown out of the water. That, that formula is blown out of water. You do good, you still might have some bad happen in your life. But can you say, though you slay me, so I will trust you. And the reason why you need to understand this formula being broken is so important. Because if Bad things can happen to good people. Come on now. The reverse and the opposite is also true. That if bad things can happen to good people, that some good things can happen to some bad people as well. That it's not all about a formula that we received to God that while we were yet sinners. 
before we ever called out to him, before we ever believed him, before we ever confessed him, he died for us. He came to us in our bad state. Goodness came and invaded this world. The goodness of God came and invaded my sin. The goodness of God came and invaded every part of my life. Before I ever did anything good, his goodness was pursuing me. And it follows me all the days of my life. It's the goodness of God. And some of you need to remember that today. Some of you have forgotten just how bad you were. Some of you have forgotten how bad your life was and how God's goodness came to your life. And it's true. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. But also the opposite is also true today that sometimes God's better to me than I deserve. God's better to me than I've ever been to myself. God's better to me than I could ever dream or imagine. In my despair, he saw me. Prodigal son, prodigal daughter, it's when you just begin to look to going back. You weren't even back home yet. You just turned your face back home. Never got a chance to say, Dad, I'm sorry. The Father came to you and lavished you with love. Lavished you with the robe. Lavished you with new sandals. Gave you the new ring. Come on now. He came and established you back into the family before you ever had a chance to apologize. Sometimes good things happen to bad people. God is more than a formula today. It's a relationship. Come on. God's more than a formula. It's a relationship. And the relationship says, God, even if you slay me, so will I trust you. Can you pray that? Can you believe that? Satan says, I know Job has a hedge around him. He goes, I I can't get to him. He's got a hedge around him. And we see where it says, God lifted his hand from Job to allow Satan. And he gave Satan permission to come in to the hedge. But it never said that he lifted the hedge. Scripture never says that God lifted the hedge around Job. It says he lifted his hand. And he gave Satan permission to come in to the hedge. What I want you to know today is sometimes we feel like God has lifted his hand from us. God, I don't feel you today. God, I'm not feeling you through this dark season. God, I'm not feeling you. But let me remind you today that just because you don't feel God's hand doesn't mean his hedge is still not around you today. His hedge is still surrounding you through every difficult season, through every season of isolation. It's, it's the hedge of protection is still there. See, look at this last thing I want to tell you. The, the hedge, hedges don't just keep the bad out, but it also keeps the good in. Look at that. Hedges were made to keep the enemy out, but it wasn't just made to keep the enemy out. It was also made to keep the good in. You see, as a mature Christian, we step into the middle of the hedge. God, even though you slay me, I'm staying right here in the middle of your hedge. Even though I don't understand the season I'm walking in. God, I'm staying next to the shepherd. God, even though I don't understand, I'm trusting you. My trust is in you. My trust is in you, God. My trust is in you. I'm not going to leave the hedge. Immaturity says, 
I curse God. I've given up on God. I'm going to leave the hedge. There's no sense of being in the hedge. And then you leave and you really get attacked. And you really get devoured. But there's something about the hedge that even when I'm walking through my darkest hour, God is with me. His peace is surrounding me. Oh yeah, we see where Job received a double blessing. After all, he went through all of this. I said that God gave him a double blessing. We talked about the double blessing last week. And there comes a double blessing. The reason God gives double blessing, because Job had a double responsibility. And everywhere people went, they say, look at the face of God shining on Job. He's the man that lost 10 children, but has 20 now. He's the man that lost 1,000 cattle, but has 2,000 now. He's the man that had a big house, but he's got a mansion now. Look at this man. The favor of the Lord is upon him. He's been doubly blessed. I want to be doubly blessed. You want to be doubly blessed. But can I walk through the slaying season to get there? Can I be faithful during the slaying time? Can I stay in the heads when I feel abandoned? Can I, can I stay in the heads when I feel the hand removed? Can I stay in the heads when the enemy's yelling at me from around the heads? It's there. The blessing remains. It's there. The blessing is ahead. Though you slay me, I will trust you, O Lord. As we bow our heads, I'm praying today that this prayer becomes a prayer of your heart. I will trust the Lord. I will trust the Lord not only when he answers my prayer not only when he blesses me but even when I don't understand and I'm walking through my darkest hour even through the valley of the shadow of death I can still trust the Lord when it makes no sense I trust the Lord when I don't see the answer I trust the Lord that's where trust is at that's a mature faith Lord, bless me. May your face shine upon me. That others can see your good works in me and appoint to the salvation and the goodness of God in my life.